Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Lillian Brislin, the Executive Director of the University of Kentucky Food Connection. Welcome, Lillian. Ah, thanks for having me today. It's a wonderful opportunity to talk facts. Yeah, so, and I think that this is going to be a, a fun conversation today, and one that's probably a lot on folks' mind is we're going to be talking about holiday traditions, especially holiday traditions focused around food, and that as we kind of lead into this holiday season, I know that this is true in, in my household, in my family, is we're really kind of starting to think about, you know, well, how are we going to kind of reorganize or do things differently this year to make certain that we're keeping everyone safe. So I appreciate that you're joining us today and that we're going to chat about that. But I wanted to start with, because I think it is such a neat program and wanted to let folks know more about, can you explain a little bit to us about the Food Connection? Oh, happy to. So the Food Connection is a local food system center here at UK. We started about five years ago and we actually came out of our origin story is in the dining contract. So when UK signed a contract with Airmark, who's our dining service provider, there was a mutual commitment to local sourcing. So bringing Kentucky raised foods to our cafeterias on campus, but also to the academic integration and the land grant mission around local food. So we emulate the land grant mission, education, outreach, and research. We do community events. Pre-COVID, we were known for our first Friday breakfast is something that you may have attended. We love to eat and celebrate and tell the stories of local food and farming in Kentucky. We have a learning kitchen, which you may have visited. We've had some great agent groups through and 4-H kids who can barely see over the table chopping in our kitchen. And our chef, Tanya Whitehouse, does a lot of great culinary programming um, to get folks comfortable and confident in the kitchen. We are not a top chef facility. That's not our goal. We want to just everyone to feel like they can be be the top chef of their own kitchen and whatever that means for them. So we've uh, shifted a lot of our programming uh, since March. So we do a lot of live demos. We do a lot of virtual classes. So folks from all over Kentucky can get a taste of the learning kitchen experience. We do weekly live casts on Facebook if folks want to follow us. Chef Tanya does chef hacks where it helps you develop basic knife skills, but also get a great dish out of it. We have our students um, doing some of their own dorm hacks for how to eat great seasonal products, even in your dorm room. And uh, we work also directly with farmers. So we have a, a senior extension associate who helps work with farmers to get them through the food safety audits and the paperwork to be able to sell to our residential dining uh, facility. So we do a lot. We do everything from farm to table and we all really love to talk about food. So this seemed like a great opportunity to come and talk with you. Excellent. It truly is such a such a neat program and offerings that are available. And so for our listeners, we will most certainly drop the, the links to the Facebook page and website into our show notes if that's something that they want to go back and reference. So let's get started on today's topic. And we're going to start our conversation talking a little bit about the historic origins of food that we may think of being traditional at the holidays. Yeah. So, all right, here's, here's the thought exercise. I want you to picture in your brain the, like a quintessential Thanksgiving plate, right? So what's on your plate, Jennifer? 
Uh, we have turkey, and there is an argument at the dinner table over who's going to get the turkey legs. Um, oh, yes. My mom will have made some amazing sweet potatoes and green beans, corn. She'll probably have some type of other white potato, mashed potato, or fried potatoes of some type. And what really kind of tops off, oh, there's definitely going to be deviled eggs. And my mom is makes the most amazing pies. Now we are not traditional pumpkin pie people, but she mm-hmm. will have an apple pie. She'll have a cherry pie and she'll probably have a blackberry cobbler there as well. My goodness. That's quite a plate. It, <laughs> so, is. it is. One of my favorite things to, to share with, especially our students is to think about, you know, where the origins of those foods come from and they all come from agriculture. And so turkeys are indigenous to the Americas, right? They are original to Central and South America, same as the squash and potatoes and beans you mentioned. So the potatoes come out of the Andes Mountains in South America. You can think of the Mayans. They're very famous in Peru with Peruvian potatoes, hundreds of different types of potatoes. Those come from the Americas. And the traditional way of cultivating corn, beans, and squash. Also, some of you may have heard of this, right? The Trinity method or the three sisters method of agriculture also comes from the Central America. So the indigenous communities would grow stalks of corn that would grow up straight. They would plant beans. And if you know pole beans, you know they need something to run up. So they would right. run up the corn or mm-hmm. cornfield bean. That's where the name comes from. And the squash would grow out and let those big, beautiful pumpkin leaves drown out all of the weeds that would come up. So it was a great way of producing a mixed method of diversified agriculture. So these foods that we think of as American holiday foods really have deep historic origins, thousands of years old in the peoples of the Americas. And then after, through colonialism, we have brought new foods to the table. So the apple pie that you mentioned, Johnny Appleseed, real guy, (laughs) really did it. I never believed it. I thought he was like um, John Henry or driving the stake in the railroad. but still driving man, yeah. Yeah, but those apples come to us from the European countries. And so we have in our holiday meals a mashing and a mixing of the histories here. And I think it's a fun way to think about how our traditions are always changing and evolving, but they still have those deep historical origins too. And Thanksgiving in particular is a meal that ties us to this place that is our country, that is our nation. And it's a wonderful way to think through that history and enjoy it as well. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, so my parents raise a extremely large garden for people that do not sell. They're <laughs> just for their own personal use or to give away to neighbors, etc. cetera. Uh, but almost everything they raise is heirlooms. And my dad mm-hmm. has these amazing stories that go along with their tomato seed and their bean seed and their corn seed. And um, so it's kind of neat uh, to listening to you talk about the historic origins of food and um they're, they're from Eastern Kentucky, and it's it's just really kind of neat to hear him tell the, the family history associated with those heirloom seeds. Often they have a name, right? It's not just the this kind of tomato. It's, you know, Sally Jones tomato seed or. Right. You know. Well, and there, yes. And there is no. Um, yeah, they have names, but probably not one that we could find anyplace else. But there are certainly family names that, that exactly. are passed along. And it's really kind of funny. Um, my mom, they obviously save their their seed every year, but the way she has them labeled and um, oh. you can find them labeled, uh, labeled like this and, you know, um, I remember they cleaned out a refrigerator after my grandmother passed away that was in a garage and there was little jars in there from the fifties and sixties and how they were labeled. And, you know, so just, just really kind of, kind of neat um, listening to you talk about that. And as we're talking,
talking about the historical origins of food and, and as you mentioned, kind of that imagery with that plate of Thanksgiving that um, we know this year is going to look different. So what are some ways that we can recreate these traditional family holiday meals in a time of COVID? Well, I think we can all get creative. And uh, when we think about the holidays, often the first thing that comes to mind is the food. And we think about the holiday meal and I got to have all of the dishes and do the things. But when it really comes down to it, I think what this year is bringing home into our hearts is that it's always actually been about the people. And it's been about the opportunity to share memories and make new ones and retell the same family stories over and over again. And Thanks in a lot of ways to the digital technologies that we've developed, there's lots of opportunities to do that. And so it may seem obvious to say that eating your meal over Zoom together could be a fun way to talk, but you can set aside a little bit of time to share those stories. I think another opportunity is is to bring your family into the kitchen. Those of of when you are together, we often uh, with our students here on campus, will do a, a potluck and ask them to recreate a dish that represents their family or that's something that's a strong memory with their family. And a lot of our first-year students in particular will make something that their grandparents or their grandmother has made it. And it's often the first time that they've taken the time to talk with their grandma about the food or get the recipe and try it themselves. And they get excited. And so if we could create an excuse to be together in the kitchen and to share the memories around the food, that can tie us together. But then we have these recipes to share with each other. So you may have an auntie who does not want to share her special secret salad dressing recipe or whatever it is. That may happen, but maybe you could maybe you could control her this year to get that uh, secret recipe out of her and, and have a nice memory of this time together through the resource. And another activity that I think is fun along those lines, especially for folks with kids, is to do maybe a formal project around family food history. So there's a great tradition, especially in oral histories and in the social sciences, of using food history interviews as a way to really learn about each other. I went through this process um, actually in graduate school for the first time and interviewed my mother about for her food history. And I learned things I never knew. And it's a great way to discover why is it that we don't eat pumpkin pie? Is it because we just never started because great grandpa Andy just really hated pumpkin pie and so grandma never made it? <laughs> you know, you could learn these great things. Question. About- it really is. And I don't know the answer to it in my household, but we don't eat pumpkin pie. <laughs> yeah. And so this is the, if the food is the mechanism for telling the stories and if the food is the gateway to learning about family history, it makes those experiences and our ties to each other and to our traditions that much stronger and um, gets that great intergenerational tie going because it's, it's the stories we tell, it's the memories we make, and it's the retelling of those stories that's as important. So finding excuses to do that, um, even through Zoom. And here's my final idea. This one just came to me. So we all have our wacky holiday traditions or like quirky ones. I don't know if you have one, Jennifer. My partner, Gregory, he all his family always watched the Westminster Dog Show, right? That was what they did while the meal was being prepared. They're not big dog people, but it's the thing that's on broadcast television. And now we've been together 12 years at this point. Now I think of the Westminster Dog Show. So I'm thinking that we're going to get on a group chat and, and, you know, we'll do the live commentary on the chat of watching the dogs and, oh, I hope the Corgi wins this round and do those things. You just still get to have some of that shared quirky experience. 
You know, just as I've listened to you talk, I thought of some things that I feel like we can do within our family. But then I also wanted to share that I, um, one of our colleagues, co-workers, I noticed last weekend she shared on social media. So her kids are grown. They're in their mid-20s. One of them lives fairly local. I think the other one lives kind of across the country. She had her mother in the kitchen teaching the two grown children her biscuit recipe. And she had kind of this collage snapshot that she had put out on social media. But I just thought how neat that, um, you know, grandma is is teaching the grandkids how to make her biscuits. And if there's anything that that says more when you were talking about the assignment with, with students, more that's passed down, I think, in, in a family is the biscuit recipe. <laughs> I know um, <laughs> when we first got married, my mother makes the most wonderful buttermilk biscuits and my husband's mother made what I call silver dollar biscuits. I don't really know what they are. They're kind of small and flat. And it was a major issue um, because (laughs) they weren't even close of which biscuit recipe that we were going with. So just listening to you talk makes me think of ways that we really can continue to connect this year with our families and, uh, and to really kind of pass on some of these traditions in new and different ways or to do some things that we may never really stop and take the time to do. I know that my kids feel like that there is no way in this world that I can recreate my mom's apple pie or cherry pie or blackberry cobbler. But she did. She did teach me. I could do it, you know, but I've never taken the time to do that with my kids. It won't be as good, but I can I'm pretty certain I can pull it off. So really just kind of, you know, refocusing our time, effort and energy this year to how we can maintain these traditions in new and different ways. Dr. Brislin, thank you so much for for joining us today and um, helping us think a little bit outside the box for family traditions for this holiday. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And I would like a piece of that pie, please, when it is ready. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll let you know. I'll have to do a little taste testing first. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local Extension agent for Family and Consumer Sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.